Welcome to the County Pulse. This podcast is developed by the Virginia Association of Counties and shares with our listeners the pulse of Virginia county governments. I'm Katie Boyle, VACO Director of Government Affairs, and your host for this segment on the 2020 Census. Our show today is sponsored by Avaya, a leading provider of next-generation communications solutions for businesses and government entities worldwide. So today we're joined by a special guest, Margaret Nimmo Holland, who is the Executive Director of Voices for Virginia's Children. She is an expert on children's issues. She's worked extensively um, on children's mental health in particular. She led the Campaign for Children's Mental Health. She served as the Chair of the Board of Directors of the Richmond Behavioral Health Authority, and she's been part of several state commissions working on mental health reform. She's a recipient of numerous awards for her work, and we are very excited to be working with her and with her team on preparing for the 2020 census. So welcome, Margaret. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much for being with us today. So um, before we jump into the conversation about the census, just to sort of set the table a little bit, um, could you tell our listeners about Voices for Virginia's Children and some of the issues that you work on? Sure. So we are celebrating our 25th anniversary at Voices for Virginia's Children. We are a nonprofit, nonpartisan child advocacy organization. We are statewide, and so uh, we really are excited to be in partnership with you around the census and other issues. Our areas of focus are children's mental health and health insurance, uh, early childhood, including early childhood education, access to child care and preschool, and also children in the foster care system. So we are uh, an organization whose mission is to champion public policies that improve the lives of Virginia's children. And as you can see from the issues that we focus on, we are primarily paying attention to those kids who tend to get left out by others and trying to speak up wherever decisions are being made about them. That's great. Well, um, so we're very happy to have you on today in particular because we are leading up to Monday being Census Awareness Day, April 1st, being one year out from the 2020 census. So just to kind of do some level setting, what is so important about the census? Well, I think um, what people don't realize, because it only happens every 10 years and we all tend to forget in that amount of time, but the decennial census is the only time that we count everyone living in the United States. So there are surveys at Uh, that the Census Bureau does at other times um, throughout that 10-year period, but they're all a sampling of the population, and we do not make an attempt to count every single person living in the country of all ages, whether they are citizens or not, um, except this one time every 10 years. And so it's really important that we get it right, because every other survey that we will do for the next 10 years will be based on the data that we get from the decennial census. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think uh, there's a, the research component, you know, of all the things that are sort of derived from the data that comes from the census. I know some of our members are very interested in sort of the economic development aspect, Absolutely. you know, and, and businesses making decisions about where to locate or where to expand. Um, the the Weldon Cooper Center did a kind of an interesting um, article a couple of weeks ago, and their tagline was something like "Power and Money: Why the Census Matters." And it was talking. I mean, that's a very blunt way to describe it, but um, you know, I, that resonated with me because it's about representation. It is. Uh, It is. There's a lot riding on the census, um, and I think most of us probably don't realize this, so we need to spend the next year um, as those who really have a lot to to gain or lose from an Mm -hmm. accurate count, uh, educating residents about what is at stake. So, um, for example, in Virginia, 
we received in 2016, the latest year for which this data is available, almost $18 billion in federal funding from 55 federal programs that derive uh, their information from the 2010 census. So that's almost $18 billion in federal funding uh, every single year. And so you move that forward for the next 10 years. So it's really important that we count everyone. We count them once and in the right place. Um, and there are certain groups that we know are easier to miss and harder to count. And so while it sounds easy, you know, we do a census every 10 years, we'll count everyone, there are certain groups that are more likely to be missed. And they have a lot at stake as well. And so we really need to spend the next year educating folks, building awareness. The census is coming. A year seems like a really long time to prepare. But when you think about all the different groups and how large of a commonwealth we have, we really need to get going. Yeah, well, that's a great segue to the project that we are partnering with you on. Um, sort of first to, to kind of put some general awareness raising out there about the census and also to help ensure that young children in particular are counted. So can you talk a little bit about that project and why young children are among the sort of hard-to-count populations? Absolutely. So um, there's been a lot of research about who was missed in the 2010 census, and in fact, young children, those under the age of five, are the group most likely to be missed. Other hard-to-count groups include um, people of color, low-income communities, certain rural communities. Um, so these are all areas where we need to focus our efforts, but young children in particular need a different type of outreach. And the reason for that is because they are not, it's not that their household doesn't complete the census. And four out of five cases where young children were missed, the household completed the census, they just left off the youngest members. And that might sound a little bit confusing, but when you start digging into the research, you find that some of the reasons are kids living in complex families. For example, if parents are divorced, living in different places, there can be confusion over who's counting the child. So complex families, uh, children living with grandparents, children in foster care, um, there can be a lot of confusion about who's counting. Um, if we think about babies who are born between January 1st of 2020 and census day, mm -hmm. April 1st, all of those babies should be counted. Um, I can remember back to being a, a new mom, and I probably, if the census had come in the mail, that wouldn't have been my first priority. <laughs> and even if I'd seen it, I might not have realized, wait, do they, you know, at what point in time are we counting people? Um, sometimes families, um, again, with these complex uh, living situations, uh, the census will direct them to answer the question as to where the child spends most of their time. For some families, that can be really confusing. Families who are experiencing housing instability, homelessness, um, this might not be their first priority. They might not realize what's at stake. It could be confusing to really think about, and so they put it to the side. So we're hoping to raise awareness, and the Census Bureau itself is adding uh, information to the form to try to clarify that, but I think it's really important that we continue to reach out to folks in multiple languages, depending on where we are in the state, uh, to really explain who should be counted and where. Yeah, that's great, and I know we were excited to work with you all on that because you have we have networks, you have networks as well, and we can sort of leverage the information that you're able to share and compile and sort of maybe do a little bit of targeted outreach. I know you've, you're interested in working with a demographer on Absolutely. sort of some of the places where kids have been undercounted in the past. Yes. So there are already uh, maps about hard-to-count areas throughout the country, including in Virginia. Uh, but because ch young children are missed for different reasons than adults, uh, we are working with Bill O'Hare, who's an expert on the census, to figure out where the hardest-to-count areas are for young children in Virginia. 
Virginia. And we're excited to be working with you on then reaching out to those areas uh, with specific outreach um, and targeted messaging. We're working also with national partners to make sure that we have what research tells us are the messages that work the best for families of young children. That's great. And so what do we know sort of now about how the census is going to be conducted next year? And, and what are some of the challenges that you see? Well, I think that's a really important point. So for one thing, there's going to be a little bit less outreach from the federal government than there has been in the past because of less funding for the Census Bureau. So I think that speaks to um, how much funding is at stake, representation that's at stake, and that all of us really need to pitch in um, in terms of getting the word out. Um, But also, for the first time, this will be an Internet-first approach. So when families receive the mail from the Census Bureau, it will encourage them to go online to fill out the census. And that can be super easy for some people, and hopefully they'll do it right when they get the notice. But for other families, we know that Internet access or um, technology literacy is going to be an issue. Um, I'm thinking of those grandparents who are raising grandchildren. They might not be as comfortable going right online. Uh, Families in rural areas or even uh, not-so-rural areas that have trouble accessing the Internet. So I think we all need to be thinking about strategies to make it easier to reduce barriers for these families in terms of completing the forms. So that's where we get into working with libraries, working with schools, places that do have Internet access um, to open up their facilities at particular times to make it really easy for folks to complete the census. That's great. So are there going to be other pathways if if you're not able to complete it online? Are there alternative ways? There will. There will. So the first drive for the vast majority of people will be Uh, a couple times trying to get people to go online and fill it out to go on their phone. You can also call in to the census, um, and there will be multiple languages that are spoken. Um, But again, we need to let people know ahead of time what to expect, what the census form is going to look like, what questions they're going to be asked. Really, it takes about 10 minutes to fill out, so once you can sort of overcome those barriers, it's really not a difficult thing to do. Um, But there needs to be clarity and awareness on the front end so that when you get that notice, you've already thought through am I going to go online? And if so, how am I going to do that? Am I going to call in? Do I need to go to my child's school where the the PTA has organized a census night, Um, bring the kids, have free pizza, whatever it might be? Um, We need to to have people thinking through that ahead of time so that hopefully um, when they get that first notice, they can complete it and it's done. Um, Another aspect that we will be working on with you all is the fact that the Census Bureau wants We get into census time and filling out the form. They will keep us updated on a weekly basis about how returns are going. So that's another opportunity for us once we get into filling out the census to look at where we need to target our messaging, where we need to do some additional outreach. Well, that's great. So um, what do we know about sort of the timeline? You know, April 1st is, is a big day, and how is it going to play out Absolutely. So I think that what we need to start doing now, and some communities have already gotten on top of this, which is great. Some of your members have set up complete count committees. So this is a structure uh, at the local government level that mirrors a structure that we have at state government. So Governor Northam has named a complete count commission. I'm happy to be serving on that because I feel like I get uh, inside information on um, on what's happening at the state level that then can be shared uh, with local government and other partners. So 
there's a website that's going to go live for the Complete Count Commission uh, on April 1st, and that will have a wealth of information, some toolkits. I know that uh, the Secretary of the Commonwealth, which operates that website, will continue to put information up. But right now we're entering into a major awareness-building phase. And so these Complete Count Committees at the local level hopefully will involve local government, business leaders, folks from the faith community, the nonprofit community, to come together and think about different strategies they can use to reach their community and to get the word out. And that's going to look different in different places, obviously. So it's important that those folks come together now and start thinking through these strategies so that all year that awareness building can happen. And then when we get to January 1st, 2020, we're in serious education mode about the specifics of the census and what it's going to look like, where you can go to fill it out, all of those really local particulars that will need to be worked out at a local level. Yeah, that's great. Um, so you brought up the, the State Complete Count Commission. Yes. So, so who's represented on that, and how, how's that working? So this is a group that Governor Northam named late last year. It has about 40 members, and they represent all geographic areas of the state as well as different hard-to-count communities. So there are folks from the Virginia Indian tribes. There are folks from representing um, Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders, uh, African American community, Latino community, uh, other folks who are in these harder to count areas. And of course, we are there representing children, and in particular, young children who are the most likely to be missed. But what's great about it is we come together and we think through those different um, sectors that we need to reach, like the business sector, like the nonprofit community, like the faith community. We're also working on media outreach. And we're, we're doing all of this work in conjunction with our representatives from the U.S. Census Bureau. So it's a very coordinated effort, and I think that's one of the pieces that makes it really strong. There's going to be a lot of information coming out of the Census Bureau and coming out of national partners who are interested in particular hard-to-count communities. So there's pretty soon there's going to be sort of an overload of information. And so what we're hoping to do in Virginia is be the conduit of information about young children in particular. And I think all of these different um, messaging and uh, awareness opportunities can come through the Complete Count Commission. So that can sort of be the one-stop shopping for folks who are looking at how to set up a Complete Count Committee and what sort of messaging they need to go with. Yeah, that's great. I think that'll be really helpful. We're really pleased that we have you as a contact there. We've also been working with um, Nancy Rodriguez, who used to be the Secretary of Administration, and Absolutely. I know she's, she's um, been really interested in working with sort of governmental entities. And so, well, and I think some of the ideas that we've brainstormed, um, just even around government, both state and local government, of how they can get involved. If you think through all the different ways that the residents of your community interact with local government. Um, all of those are potential education and awareness points. So um, if you think about utility bills, um, that's, that's something that everybody gets. Um, that's a great way to include information. If you think about libraries, if you think about schools, if you think about um, partnering with the DMV in your community. So we're thinking about all the different ways, your community services board, social services, all the places where your residents interact with you, those are all potential points of providing information uh, and making it easy for folks to, to hear it from multiple angles. I think we're all inundated with so much information about everything that's urgent and everything that we need to do that don't, don't fear repeating the message. Mm-hmm. That's actually a really good thing. I think people need to hear from, from multiple angles why the census is important. That's great. Um, yeah, we are actually hoping to have on a future podcast um, some representatives from, from one locality that's getting 
organized with your complete count committee and sort of as a case study of some of the things that have that worked well in the, in the past. I think that's great. And I think another thing to consider for localities putting together complete count committees is who are the trusted messengers in your community, um, particularly as you think about who in your community is going to be hard to count. So if you're in a rural area, that's going to mean one thing. If you're in a dense um, metropolitan area where you have a lot of diversity, a lot of languages spoken, that might be something different. Um, there are folks in our communities who are distrustful of government, and so having the government be the, the main source of information is not maybe going to be helpful to reach those populations. So as child advocates, we're thinking about who do families of young children trust. So the folks taking care of their kids, child care providers, their children's schools, pediatricians, mm-hmm. hospitals. Um, if you think about um, families who are on public health insurance, whether it's Medicaid or, or CHIP, and how are you know what is the outreach mechanism for those folks? How are we signing them up for health insurance? Those are people who are trusted that we can uh, give information to about the census. Um, if folks are working with their hospital systems on things like a caravan or mobile health clinics, those are another great way to get information out. So I think it's really a matter of people in the community thinking about who are their hard to count folks and who do those people trust and making sure that those trusted messengers have the right information uh, to get out to the hard-to-count communities. Yeah, I think those are some great suggestions. So, um, and I, I want to put a little plug out that that we have uh, started our web page on our website to compi- start compiling some Wonderful. of that useful sense information. So this podcast is going to go there as soon as we process it and post it, as well as you know the information that we're receiving from the state and from the Census Bureau. So hopefully that'll be another sort of resource. So you've given us a lot to think about, a lot of good information, definitely the sort of the beginning of our partnership and collaboration. Um, and we look forward to sort of continuing to work with you and share information. And so I want to just thank you so much for being with us and uh, look forward to continuing to work with you. Thanks, Katie. We're really excited about it. I think we all have a lot at stake. And so I think we can, uh, we can put our efforts together and, and get a great impact and a complete count for Virginia. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you.